Welcome to episode 57 of Coffee and Contemplation with Susan. Hello, I'm Susan Dunlop. If this is the first time you've joined me, welcome. And if you've tuned in before, thank you for coming back. People passionate about what they deliver to the world intrigue me and make me want to know what, how and why they do what they do. I choose to surround myself with people who set magnificent visions and take risks to do good things in service of others and are kind-hearted, purposeful and wise. Be it in service or in the books that they've written, they change lives, including their own. Guests joining me on the Coffee and Contemplation podcast share their personal stories with vulnerability for the benefit of others and are people with professional and experiential knowledge of the theme of each episode. For the first 40 episodes, I followed the advice of Russell Brunson. He said, start recording tomorrow, just start. And when you get to 40 episodes, go back and listen to the first recording. Don't ever delete it and just see how far you've come. That and my post-it note motto I applied to my very first coaching session as well, which was first is worst, dare to suck. It's been about taking baby steps all the way. Today's guest is Cal Stevens, who lives close by to me at Sunrise Beach here on the Sunshine Coast, just outside of Noosa, whom I will welcome in in just a moment. Cal and I found ourselves on a road trip to the Gold Coast a month back. We didn't know each other, but a mutual friend invited us both to join her in the audience of a new TV show. So I offered to drive, I picked up our friend, Nikki, and then navigated and talked our way to find Cal at a bus station in southern Brisbane. Then Cal just jumped into the back seat, started talking, conversation flowed, and it just was a day of conversation and inspiration, energy, thought-provoking ideas that I'd never thought before for myself, and we shared back and forth. All I had to do was remember to keep my eyes on the road. Uh, Cal's business is unique in its model. The kind of service it delivers is about setting up young people for independence. It's about care and it touches the lives of many more people than just the young people that Cal and her team serve. Cal's business is Edna's Life Skills. Today we're going to talk about Edna, Cal, and where the business idea came about and where to from here. Welcome, Cal. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. What a great intro. Thank you, Susan. I'm really looking forward to having a chat today. Yeah, so so our first big conversation after the road trip. So I'd love to find out a little bit more about how all this idea came about. So maybe we'll start with the moment of your first inkling about establishing Edna's life skills. Would you like to do that? Yeah, that'd be great. Like a lot of people in 2020 when COVID hit our shores, I was feeling very rattled. And as a a mother and a wife and a businesswoman working in the financial services industry, it took its toll on me. And within two weeks of the lockdown that we had here in Queensland, I resigned from my job. And I had the support and blessing from, you know, my family to put us into poverty, inverted commas. But to, to, to let go of my income was a, was a big security factor for me. I'm not used to being supported. So financially, I've always tried to make my own way in the world. So to give up my job and, and step back into parenting and housewifeism was a real challenge at that time. I think it took me 48 hours to get into the swing of things. And I just absolutely loved being back at home and what I'd given up and what I'd dreaded giving up was actually so easy to 
get rid of and flick off. I, I shed it like I threw a coat off. Yeah, it was amazing. But once everyone went back to school and life returned to some normality here, I found myself a little lost because I was so used to being a doer. I helped some friends take their children to school that were having trouble getting back into the swing of things. And from there, I did some cooking with them, some homework. And one of my friends said to me, I can pay you through NDIS. And I said to her, what's NDIS? And she said, it's the National Disability Insurance Scheme. And I went, oh yeah, I've heard of that. I've heard of that. I said to her, I'm not qualified. There's no way I could actually do that. And she said to me, you don't have to be qualified. It's standard support. You can, if you've got an ABN, you can provide support to my son and I can pay you. And I was blabbergasted, to be honest. So I helped my friends and their children for a little while. And as I did that, I realised there was a massive gap in NDIS and what the services were being provided. A lot of support was around young people getting the support to go out into the community and do chores or life skills at home but there wasn't a lot being done around financial literacy and with my background in financial literacy I thought wow there's a there's an opportunity to help teach coach young people uh, within the NDIS framework to be more responsible about their or aware about their finances. Wow, we. I mean, yeah, and it's even bigger than that. I think any child, you know, we've learnt from our parents how to manage money and whether that's a good lesson or a bad lesson. More often, I think it's the latter, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's a, an old book from the 80s called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it certainly is one of those books that resonates in any decade. Um, if you're sitting around the table and you're learning from experienced financial literate parents, then as a child, you've got so much of a head start but if you have a disability uh, a learning disability or uh, an inability to count or understand numbers it's even more difficult so it doesn't matter your socioeconomic background or where you come from no. it's that inability to learn so it's trying to break it down individually to the client to help them understand they put a card over or cash over that it means something i understand that so that there's a greater depth than just as you said, just putting the card towards someone, understanding that your bank account's attached to that and, you know, how much money you've got left in the account and all that type mm. of stuff, I suppose, isn't mm. it? Absolutely. Yeah, the simple stuff that you don't realise is not so simple for everyone. Yeah, so often we start off with less than, greater than, um, so that they can round up to five or ten. It's grade three style maths. Now, some of my clients are well and truly ahead of that and they're doing full-on budgeting, they're living at home or living independently. So, you know, there's a whole host of full-on budgeting that goes into play there with bills, you know, income, that sort of thing. But others, it's just a, a very simple approach to an allowance of what they budget for in the week ahead and what they actually spend. So in terms of you, your business being called Edna's Life Skills, so Life Skills, we'll start there because I want to find out about Edna as well, but the Life Skills, so you are talking about this financial aspect, is there more Life Skills than that or is this the yeah, so core the of it? business actually does now way more than that. The germ of the idea was around the financial literacy and I teach it via cooking predominantly. Our okay. sessions are around you know meal planning, understanding the budget aspect of that trying to find cheap ways to feed ourselves I mean we're all in that boat right now you know things are expensive and, and if you're on a pension you know the idea of using meat every meal is just not an option so coming up with really cheap uh, recipes that are simple that we can I can teach them to cook 
but also to plan that ahead. So if you're roasting pumpkin, you're making a soup, but you might be turning it into a salad. So there's a whole host of simple rules that we sort of try and teach around shopping, going to the supermarket and identifying that one onion's more expensive than a bag of onions and that onions can sit in your drawer for months as long as it's dark, same with potatoes. So just teaching them what needs to be a use-by date and what can be bought bulk. Mm. And it's the core to any household anyway, isn't it? So getting nourishing food into the body. That first meal that I cook with a client and they put on the table, I get such beautiful comments back from families just saying how, you know, rewarded they felt to have their son or daughter cook for them, but also how proud, you know, my client was. And, you know, that's, uh, that's worth a million bucks. Well, so you've taken quite a different approach. Like I looked at your website and I think also the person that did the logo for you for Edna. And I think it was him who said something about that you've pulled together a team of professional mentors and life coaches to support and guide young people. And I thought, oh, so it's just it's a life coaching type of service, but it's not. It's, you're quite different. I call us our life skills coaches because I didn't want to mm. be seen as a support person. I wanted to differentiate what support is. So we're not just hanging around, having cups of coffee or taking people for walks. Every session has a focus, has a plan. Um, every quarter we review goals. So I've applied a, a business model that's similar to financial planning. Um, I report every week on our clients back to um, parents because sometimes the parents are in the home and they see what we're doing, but other times they're out to work. The young adults, you know, they're 19 to sort of 30 still living at home predominantly and they're uh, learning these skills and I want the the parents to understand what we're doing with the client or their child so we do a report every week with these goals with reviews and what I find is a high level of engagement because we're not babysitting hence yeah. why I've called life skills coaches because I'm employing people that aren't necessarily qualified in disability support or have a certificate insert three in individual support I'm employing people that have got experience so I have two chefs on my staff I have and two event managers I have a retired metal work we call him grandpa he's 70 years of age ran his own business he loves motorbikes and he had a metal work business his value to my clients is astronomical because he can touch uh, areas of knowledge and support that potentially younger people can't because he has mm. a wisdom and an authority because he's mature if you had said to him when he was 30 that he would end up supporting uh, young people with autism i would say he would have never ever ever have thought of but he was referred to me by another employee uh, which is how i get all of my staff they're all word of mouth referrals they come to me with a skill set and often i'm looking for a specific skill set to match a client because if i interview a client and i find out they want to play chess and they need to learn they like analytical things like trains and um, china or something i go and look for a support person that has a similar interest sometimes also on the spectrum mm, i like it wow so let's go to Edna. Where's Edna from? Oh, Edna. It's a big story. Yeah? <laughs> Strap yourself in. Um, Edna's my mum and she's she was amazing. She was a 1950s housewife and she was a seamstress. She used to do preserves. We had our own veggie garden. We were self-sufficient. She milked cows, made butter, 
skimmed cream, everything we had at home until probably the 80s was made from the farm. She made most of my clothes, um, she knitted, she tatted, she crafted, she, she was just bloody amazing. And I didn't realise how amazing until I got into the workforce and then had a child and realised that the skills that I had to manage a house and be resourceful, creating a cottage business called Clothes for Dolls earlier on and while my child was little so that I could work from home and I had a break from financial services, all the things mum had taught me. Whilst I thought I was just working like a slave on the farm with my mum, <laughs> she wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't the slave, she was teaching me all of these amazing skills. So, you know, on Monday, mum would make stock that she would turn into stews or soups or something the next day. You know, Wednesday might be bread day. It was like how whole food and life evolved. Every day we roll from one to another. And she was an amazing cook. She did a bit of acting on the stage. Her, my dad and my mum were the debutante teachers in a, in a small environment called Newland, um, where we grew up. And that was part of the footy club. They trained all the deb sets and they did it for like, I don't know, 50 years. So she was really well known in the district. Every generation knew her. And consequently, when she passed away, we had, you know, over 350 people to her funeral. Oh. It was phenomenal. And they weren't just you know, middle-aged or old people, they were young people right through because she touched so many lives. So I took all of these skills and I'm starting to teach young people with disabilities and I didn't have a business name that was just me. I was doing it for about six months on my own and then I realised that this was something I needed to teach others to do and I needed to take mum's skills and display them in a corporate fashion so that other people could benefit from it. So we tossed around a few names and Edna's life skills come up and I went to Patch Creative and asked them to build me a life be in it type character <laughs> from uh, symptoms come life be in it type character that would enhance what Edna was and is in a 1950s modern day setting and they came up with our logo which I'm extremely proud of I think she's gorgeous yeah she's sweet I yeah love yeah she's fun and you know in our reports with uh, the clients uh, receive my support staff do an enormous amount of work outside the support hours that they do and they write me reports and it's something good which is normally what they've done in their sessions something funny and something to work on which it's either their skills or the skills they'd like to work on with the client because being self-reflective is really important and having something funny that they have to report on means that you've always got to have a focus at some point that your session has to be fun like you do have sessions that are really hard and deep and not fun in a sense of sharing something funny but it's really important that most of the sessions are fun you know that we're engaging and enjoying ourselves and the minute we're not enjoying ourselves we need to address what's going on exactly and laughter is such a tonic isn't it to yeah everything we do is lovely that you brought edna's legacy right through to god i can imagine you could expand on it massively in all, all kinds of ways with that much experience on the farm that you learned oh it's incredible so you've come to a startup stage of a business after leaving your industry and i know in any type of business there'll be certifications standards and all of that that you would be required to have and the ndis i imagine is more than just the abn 
How did you go with all of that, finding all of that out? So when I started, there was absolutely nothing that you needed to have other than an ABN. Um, But having done some business coaching in the financial services with financial planning practices, I decided to model my business on theirs. So obviously went out and got some basic insurance in the beginning. And then as I corporatized and started employing people, I reviewed the insurance and realized it didn't cover me. And that was probably my first business heart stopper you have lots of heart stopper moments in business where you wake up in the middle of the night and go oh gee am I doing this right or you know you question what's going on but my insurance was absolutely one of those moments that could have stopped Edna's life skills for two reasons one is NDIS was going through an enormous amount of claims and Zurich their underlying insurer for Mabel which is a support service online that matches participants to support workers was having an enormous amount of claims and I could see that there would be changes to the industry and changes really quickly and if we didn't build a business that was compliant and had the procedures in place and had reports etc then we would end up as a small provider being you know out of business the larger organizations they have all those rigors in in place but small independent organizations or one-man bands don't so i wanted to set up this small business with the rigors of a large business so that we if we needed to with the changes of ndis and as they came in gradually over the last 18 months where we needed to do online training etc then I would be in the right place positioned well ahead of the curve that's the plan so the insurance no one wanted to insure me I couldn't even find a broker to return my call eventually I got a broker in Brisbane um, Matt and he had two clients that were in NDIS businesses um, much larger than mine and he said to me I will chase down some insurance for you but it meant I had a meeting with an underwriter to explain to him that we were doing standard support, that we weren't um, washing people, providing medication, you know, the sorts of levels of support that are larger organisations that are registered do, that we were basically life skill coaching within the NDIS framework, helping people learn how to do chores, helping them shop, helping them learn how to manage their own homes, plan meals, etc. So eventually, when I sat with the underwriter on the phone, throwing through all of my procedures, all of my codes of conduct, privacy statements, all of the rigors I had around my business, he said to me, yes, he would insure me, but I wasn't allowed to promote my business. I made an agreement with him that I would be word of mouth only, that I wouldn't advertise. Oh, really? Why is that? Because if I went out to the marketplace and advertised myself, clients that come in, I might not know. And I convinced him that a level of comfort around us doing business would be word of mouth referrals. So people that come to me are people that are either friends of existing clients or through other allied health professionals, such as psychologists, speech therapists, or neurologists. And Mm. they come to me vetted and I know things about them. I can then accept or the client based on whether I think we're the right fit for them. And I work with other, or I refer to other organisations on the coast here, above and beyond Craft Independent Living, NAO Caring, because I can't provide the level of support or service for everybody. 
So it's really important to understand who my client is. And for those I can't support, know that I can refer them to amazing businesses within a 20-kilometre radius that have great okay. people work for them. It's a dream, really, in a way. I mean, everyone dreams of having word-of-mouth referrals as where you're going to go to rather than having to market, but that's actually an essential part of your business that's making it a safe business to operate. It is, and I'm, I'm probably itching because the business development side of my skill set hasn't had a run for a while and I am itching to actually take the business and and grow it but I'm frightened as well that we might lose that we have is a real essence of uh, who we are is we're small we're personal more you know how do I that my challenge now is how do I take that group of wonderful life skill coaches that I've got and how do we replicate that perhaps in another marketplace like Gimpy or Marichidor how do we do what we've done here? I think it's a franchise model. I don't want to lose what we have here because our relationships in the community with our clients, we're all family. You know, I give permission for my staff to fall in love with the client. And that might sound really weird, but we are in people's homes. Uh, We're with them every second day, every week, week in, week out. We know what's going on in those families. We know what's going on with that client. And it would be wrong if we didn't love and respect them no i think you're a heart-centered type of woman and heart-centered business and i know also obviously you're saying that with professional boundaries applied to loving your clients as well so yeah i get there's that but i think yeah if you if you did it without that care it would just be be shallow skirting the surface of people's lives and that's probably what the problem is anyway with life skills isn't it that people have had to skirt the surface and they've missed out on all this depth that you had with your mother so how about we talk about wins have you had any beautiful wins then that um have made you realize that you are making a positive Uh, impact weekly daily oh it's just it's amazing susan i can't tell you like i come home from work after a support session and 99.9% of the time I feel the most incredible cathartic experience like I come through the door and I feel just blissfully happy Um, and that sounds weird but it's exactly how I, I feel amazing but then I have awesome support workers employees who ring me and say oh you'll never guess what happened today and you know it's not just about perhaps the participant it might be about a family so We've recently just eight weeks ago had a new client come on board and the first support session, the life skill coach rang me and he said, there's more going on here in the family that needs support than than just our client. Can I have permission to work with the other sibling? And I said, well, I'll contact the mother, but I'm sure it'll be fine. What are you thinking? And he said, oh, I think he's lacking in confidence and he needs a job. I said, okay, off you go. So within two weeks, twice a week he's in their home. Within two weeks he identified the sibling's need. Um, This is all free. He's he's doing it off his own bat because he cares. The support uh, worker, the life skill coach, found an area of employment that he thought the young fellow would enjoy. Took him out the next week to introduce him to the organisation, explain to him what potentially might be a job on the way home in the car. Blew this young fella's mind 
And then the next week they interviewed for the job uh, the week after he started. That young man's oh, wow. confidence has gone from sitting in a lounge room chair, beating himself up that he was not any good at anything, to walking on cloud nine. I mean, he's ready to date. This is, this is a young man. He's now coming to our social group that we run. And, you know, it's just... I just can't tell you. Like, these are what my staff do. They go above and beyond to find a solution for a family because the client's just one aspect. Um, it's a family mm. that share this. And most of our families go without because they put all of their energy, either financial or emotional, into the child that is uh, on the spectrum or disabled or, or whatever. And so yeah. to be able to give to another sibling in that environment, like that was a huge win. Having to be responsible all the time, isn't it, for them, for the parent, the overwhelming responsibility. I think that can wipe you out a little bit too, that you can't see the forest for the trees. Absolutely. To see that someone else might have needed something and that's amazing if you can get himself up to a dating stage. I know. You know. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> get his life skills Tinder. I don't know. <laughs> what would my insurance company think? <laughs> Mm. Yes, that's you going a bit public there, yeah. isn't it, anyway? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever felt like packing it all in? I mean, oh, I hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Just recently, actually, um, 18 months into the business, probably over the first six-month hurdle of COVID where I had all of the staff in their right positions with their right clients and no one was sick and my whole body just stopped. I had care of fatigue because it had been such a massive six months yeah I hit the wall I just emotionally hit the wall and I also had a client trigger me uh, with memories from the past that were really hurtful and I knew I needed to take a break from being in a client's space so I was lucky enough at that time that nobody was sick and I was able to step out and have my shifts covered because we always have a team of people in play and we're not reliant upon one person with one client And I was able to step back out of it and go and have some time for myself to think about what Edna's life skills meant. Did I, I'm not making a great deal of money out of this. I'm working seven days a week Mm. and I was like, well, Mm. do I continue this? Is this my charity? Should I be looking at making it a, a viable, profitable business to pay myself a decent wage? Or is the good I'm doing both with employment, life school coaches, clients, families, is that my purpose? Is that my meaning? So had a lot of soul searching and got to a point where I thought I needed to go and talk to someone. So started down the psychological path of having a chat because I needed to understand whether my need for caring was about only me and what I needed to do to make myself feel good. And sometimes that it's at the detriment of my wonderful family, my own family. Yeah. Um, you know, Bain and Ali support me 120% because they love what I'm doing. They love the impact I'm having. And, of course, they hear daily stories, but they also could see the wear and tear on me as a carer. And carer fatigue, I've only been at it 18 months, but I'm giving my heart and soul. And, you know, some clients step on you. I'm not going to tell you that all of my clients love me. I have a couple of clients that don't uh, for some reason or other. That's hard to take when you can never do anything right by them, yet you're giving them their all. And I'm not protecting myself. And mm. going down this, the path to talk to someone 
is about acknowledging that for a long time I was my mum's carer and then my mother-in-law's carer and when both of them passed within a year of one another just before COVID my mother-in-law who was the light of my life she she was my champion I bloody loved her when she passed away I felt so grief-stricken that the reason that I was put on earth was to care for them and they weren't here anymore Mm. so I switched my business from leaving financial services to jumping straight into a caring role and looking after 30 clients. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, um, and thank you for sharing that because I think um, a lot of people in the type of service that you're offering, whether it be nursing or in that type of, like the skills that you're training in, we definitely all get touched by, I think I've shared with you before that the drama triangle roles that we run through that there's victim, persecutor and rescuer. And I know even in coaching, it was very easy to see straight up that I went into rescuer mode or carer mode. I'm going to fix the world. I'm going to make everything right for everyone. I think but it it just takes all your own energy and it blows. I make myself giddy flipping backwards and forwards between those two, carer and and problem solver. Um, In that space, like you've given yourself that space to stop and breathe and obviously it's great that you've gone to have someone to speak to about it because it will just make your business then have a stronger base to grow from once you actually understand where you're coming from. Absolutely. And do you need to drop some part of that part of you and pick up on all your other strengths that are the other part of you? So if the business wants to have longevity, I know I mm. have to move to leader and not carer. Mm. And Mm. the carer part of it gives me all the warm, fuzzy, buzzy, awesomeness but it also exhausts me so yeah i know that if this is such a a necessary part of people's lives and there's not a lot of people doing it and i have a skill set or i can share then i need to stop being the carer and i need to step forward and be the leader of my business and the alternative beautiful roles to the drama triangle which is the stuff that i'm training people in a new way of saying leadership is that we need to adopt the you know the alternative roles to say from victim you become the creator from rescuer you become a coach and from persecutor you become a challenger and if you can adopt all three of those roles and practice them as a leader that's where your business will boom, you know, because it's you caring about your people on a different level. It's just amazing to see the shift in, you know, high level CEOs who are all about money, money, money. And they say, I can't believe how much easier it is to have conversations when I'm coming from the coach aspect, you know, co-create with someone. We know we can make something happen. It's just beautiful. So that's sort of where you sound like you're shifting to. Yeah. And I think if the business, if Edna's life skills wants to continue, I need to be able to replicate it in a way that I can, I've been able now to coach 15 people. We have a mentoring business too, which is young people, nine to sort of 13, where I have other amazing young people that I normally recruit from the surf club at Sunshine. These young people who are surf life competitors, they they do volunteer work on the weekend, patrolling our beaches, and I recruit them to come and work with our younger clients who might have autism or processing disorders or some sort of disability that means that they find it difficult to communicate with others and so we put young people with these young people so my mentors with these young people and it's incredible now those mentors that I employ they're amazing but man they suck up a lot of time (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but it's really rewarding. It's really rewarding. Yeah. You know? Gosh, you've got a few aspects of you, haven't you? Yeah. Well, it's amazing. amazing. Like it, they are incredibly rewarding. And once I have them on and running, and oh, look, they, what they can achieve with young people giving them confidence. Once again, it's all goal set. We deal with a lot of homeschool children. So it's part of it's about just getting the child away from mum and dad so that mum and dad don't kill them. But most of it's around creating some sort of capacity building aspect to their life. Yeah. Gosh, oh, what a woman. Goodness me. Yeah, I feel so <laughs> almost... tired just talking about it. <laughs> oh, no, I was just thinking, I'm thinking, oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, so that, that carer role that you're in, yeah, it's letting go of that in a way to let you lead this thing to be what, what is your ultimate vision for it? Um, I don't know because we're 18 months in and we've surpassed what I thought we'd, we'd achieve. So, you know, if you had said to me that we were going to have 30 clients and I'd have 15 staff when I started this 18 months ago, I would have said, not a chance because we couldn't advertise or anything like that. So I, I just underestimated word of mouth in a small community. We've plateaued, we haven't had a new client for eight weeks. It's just like so unusual. But that eight weeks came with the same period of time where I sort of took, have taken some time for myself to sit back and go, okay, how do I, what do I want? How do I manage Edna's life skills? Do, do I want to be the leader or do I want to be the carer and continue to work in the business? And I think there's too many people that need the skills that Edna has to continue in the carer role. I need to be a leader. And I've seen so many business owners make that shift and it's an uncomfortable space to to work your way through. But I mean, any business is a living, breathing organism and there is a life cycle. So infancy, there's toddler, teen, adult, and you'll see what you've got in place, you know, as you work through those. Think, okay, well, now I'm up to nearly going to become a teenager. So what do I need to do to make the company become adult, you know, and fully mature? Otherwise, if if you've got confusion around all that sort of space, it takes a lot of energy from you. You know, if it's only physical and emotional energy without a real vision to tap back into, that's the part where I see people start to fall apart and get distracted and come up with new ideas and shiny sparkly object syndrome and being there, done that myself. Um, yes, but just uh, you know, establishing your, your why is so important. Yeah, and I think if, like if I was going to give somebody advice if they were thinking about coming into the NDIS space, I would definitely, or any new business, um, paying that money for a coach like I've had a business mm. coach since day one oh, or good. before we named Edna's and before we, we corporatized. And it meant I was accountable to someone every week. His name is Michael Hunt. He's a local guy. We patrol together. He rescued me in the surf when I was doing my SRC, my surf rescue certificate, because I can't swim very well and I decided I wanted to be a lifesaver. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I'm very good eyes on the beach. That's my job. I give restaurant and tourism advice, actually. People come up and constantly, they go, what do you do as a surf lifesaver? Mm, I give restaurant and tourism advice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't save any lives. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm a community. This is a good restaurant. This is, this is a great restaurant. What do you like to eat? So he's an amazing man, and he's, he's just been so incredibly supportive to me personally, but also challenging me in the business. And we meet with my husband once a week because the business was growing so quickly and so fast in the initial sort of first eight to nine months. Often in a week, 
the goals would change or the mm. direction would change and I would have to update Bain, my husband, because he's my business partner. He signs off on all the checks. He's responsible as well. Whilst he's a silent person in the business, he still has his name in the business. So I just wanted yeah. to, him to know where we were at each week. That was just amazing. To be able to have a guide was very good. And now we're down to seeing each other once a month, probably about to ramp that up again to weekly as we just redefine, you know, we've got our first full financial year of data to have a look at. So we can start looking, you know, analytically at the business, like from a business perspective. What does that client look like? What are all the things they have in common? You know, I think Mm -hmm. I know, but do I really? So I plan to unpack it all, bear it all, and then we will build it back up again. And it should look similar with a version of how we grow it, how we move it forward without losing the intimacy and that love that we offer. It sounds like Edna's in good hands. Yeah, (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) I know we did the same thing. We had um, an independent director and back in the days when I'd be sitting, you know, at the dining table with my slippers on when our nursing agency was growing. And my husband, Tom, he was an independent director as well. So it just kept us... Keeps you honest, doesn't it? Uh, it just makes you just tune in enough just so you can keep moving forward with purpose. I'm lucky enough to have made great friends now with Above and Beyond, Craft Independent Living, Nao mm. Caring. You know, those being able to go out and find my clients had other relationships and then go and meet those other rel- caring relationships and say, hey, this is what we do. You know, we're here to refer clients to you because you do something completely different. Yeah, quite the puzzle piecing together. Yeah, it means that we can support a whole client. You know, if, if I've got a client that's looking to move out and live independently, well, then I can't begin to do that. That's a whole skill set that someone mm. else has. Yeah, you don't need to be that. Was it called the jack of all trades? Yeah, no, I can't even begin Master to Master of none. In terms about you, and obviously you've had that sort of space to stop, how do you give yourself time around this business do you give yourself much time on a regular basis it's been pretty all-consuming this year i employed a a trainee and abby came on and she's taken in the last probably eight weeks to ten weeks she's taken an enormous amount of work off me and that sharing in the load has given me once again that opportunity to be introspective so having a look at me and how i'm coping and like I got off the, I was like a hamster on a, on a treadmill and I jumped off the treadmill and yeah. kind of had a look around and went, okay, I need to do some work on myself. This is not good. And Abby's coming into the business has been awesome because it's, I don't feel like I'm trudging along on my own. I've got this brilliant young woman who I shoot information to and she comes back and she goes, yes, for the business, I think you should do this, this and this. And I'm like, oh my God, I love that. <laughs> Oh, bless you. Bless you. Yeah, she's, she's totally invested. She goes out and supports a young girl who's 10 years of age and they're a perfect match with each other. Uh, the parents just absolutely love Abby in their home, whether she's, you know, there after hours doing some babysitting or whether she's there doing a support, taking the young girl out for a support session. They're just perfectly fitted and, yeah, she's a great, she's a great kid and I'm happy. I'm really lucky to have her. That has allowed me to have some space and I think probably yoga's the, and PT, I have to actually go. I don't, can never do it here in the lounge room. I have to actually have an appointment and be responsible and accountable and go to someone mm-hmm. because if it's just me tuning into a YouTube, I will put that off because there will be a million and one things I need to do for the business or to 
you know, help run the family or the that I would do yeah. instead of looking after me. Yeah, and it's that time off, isn't it? It's the time away from the tools yeah. that gives you the, the better thinking space too. And the other thing is I've got a really beautiful bunch of friends in three sort of different circles and amazing women. Like all of them are amazing women and I just feel so grateful to have ended up here in Noosa and have met these women through my child. They're all mums. Yeah, you know, I, I look forward to going into the next phase of my life and retirement and having this network, this community around me. Um, so uh, Retirement. Yeah, one mm. day. 75. <laughs> I'm going to work until I'm 75. Cool. In some capacity. You know, you're having these conversations now with your, your coach and your husband and, you know, it gives you a map to work towards. Yeah, so I, as long as I keep nurturing myself and take breaks and have the energy, there's no reason why I can't have that mindset that I want to work like I can't imagine not work I think the wisdom that we have in those life experiences you know I just know with my coaching of the staff it's the stuff that I've experienced not necessarily as a carer because I'm very new into this space I've got people that work for me that are way more experienced Mm -hmm. in the carer role but it's the parenting role or the family role or other life skills that we've learned the wise woman in you we're coming towards the end. How quick was that? I know. So there you go. Gee, I hope someone <laughs> listens to the end because the end's going to be brilliant. <laughs> so um, what is your favourite Sing Out Loud song in the car? Oh, right now, having seen the Elvis movie, it would have to be In the Ghetto. It's always a song that I loved. My brother-in-law used to sing it. It was his karaoke song or Stand By Me. But um, In the Ghetto has taken on new meaning for me since I saw the movie. I probably hadn't understood the poverty that Elvis's family was in prior to his success. I knew a little bit about it, but that's a really powerful song. So what's your go-to mantra or affirmation to get through a challenge? Hmm. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Oh, I'd probably say if my back's against the wall, if I'm challenged and my back's against the wall, I'd probably put my head down and go, fuck it. (laughs) Just, you know, metal on, bulldoze through. Um, It's probably something I need to change because I've got myself into trouble so many times by not sitting back and being a little bit more reflective. But I tend to double down and just go, oh, fuck this. I'm going to get this done or I'm going to, you know, so I get assertive and yeah yeah is it a fuck it that's about knowing what you're actually aiming towards is meaningful and important yeah probably i think it's not like i'm blowing it off it's put everything else behind and go for it like clear the deck clear the deck girl stop making excuses yeah. get out there and go for it there's so many uses for those two words yeah, there is there i just realized as i said it <laughs> Cal, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Caesar. For delivering, you know, such a well thought out service. And I want to thank you because when you initially approached me, I was like, hell no. But the more it sat in my mind, and because we had that trip down to the Gold Coast that was just so inspirational, I've so enjoyed that day that. It then gave me an opportunity to start sitting back and having a think about who we were, what we did, etc. And I've been in a cathartic 
space, I think, in the last eight weeks, as I said. But I really want to thank you because it's given me an opportunity to reflect and I really appreciate that. I think COVID has made us have to reflect. I've done the same thing. What is the stuff that I'm resisting? And when I realised the things I'm resisting happened to be all the good stuff I wanted, I was getting in my, in my own way. I think, what am I doing? Yeah. yeah, so also all kinds of levels at the moment we need to reflect. Yeah, thank you. As I said, brilliant to have you thank on. You. And obviously we're going to be catching up yes. for little group sessions with Nikki. Listeners, the transcript of our conversation will be shared on my website in coming days. If you're a person who likes to read articles as well as listen to podcasts, like Cal today, I'm forever thankful for my beautiful guests and allowing me to understand them more and to share their stories with vulnerability. And in prep for today's session, it's also had an added benefit in letting Cal just notice that she had float to the surface that she was needing to check in on her why for her business. And at some stage, all business growers, as we are, we need to go from worker bee to queen bee. What is that? What's that going to take? And it can be quite a massive shift and it might take time. Having the right support around you helps that happen. So if you'd like to join me as a guest on the podcast, please reach out. And if you balk at the idea of having a magnificent business owner's vision, that's all scrumptious words and makes you go deeper just reach out and I can help you from getting your thoughts out onto paper. I'm signing out. Trust that you are blessed even when you forget that you are blessed and take care of yourself. Thank you for now.